Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin! On today's episode, we are chatting with Celeste Barclay. Celeste is living in California and is a historical romance author. Her latest book is A Friend at the Highland Court, and it's part of Highland Ladies series. So Celeste, welcome to The Relatable Voice. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. I was looking forward as well. Celeste, I was checking your bio and I know many things about you. And I just thought that your background is English Moroccan. Yes, yes. correct. So yes. I've been to Morocco just before the pandemic started. If only I had stayed longer before all the craziness started. So have you ever traveled to Morocco? Oh, yes. I was born there. We moved to the United States when I was a baby. So I used to spend my childhood summers split between Morocco and England. And then since having my own children, I've gone back with them several times. All of my dad's side of the family is still there. Wow. I love Morocco. And the food was delicious. That is the best part. Wow, this is the best part. And the people were so nice. And it was a colorful place to visit. Hospitality is very important to the culture. So you will easily find people who welcome you um, and are very friendly and kind to you. Yeah, they are. You used a non-diploma as an author. Why did you choose to use one and how did you come up with it? I was a public school teacher when I first started writing and what I write is not appropriate for children. I also figured that if things didn't go well, then I would have some anonymity behind a um, pen name or a nom de plume. So that was why I chose to use one. Um, Celeste is actually my legal middle name. And then Barclay, the way that I spell it is the traditional Scottish spelling, but the English version of it was part of my maternal great-grandfather's name. So it is a family name that I chose to incorporate. And I absolutely love this name. (laughs) I'm pretty partial too. (laughs) (laughs) And you were a social studies and English teacher. 
as you said, before becoming a full-time author. And yes. Celeste, what made you decide to make this switch? Um, you know, I did not set out thinking that I was going to be an author, certainly not a full-time author. started writing my first book the summer of 2017, and I published in April of 2018, and it just kind of took off almost immediately. One thing after another, I started writing more and more books, and eventually it got to the point where my income as an author was comparable to my teaching income. And I just, I had a really tough last assignment and it was kind of wearing me down a little and it was a challenge. And I just was really struggling at that point. And knowing that I had a viable alternative, I opted to leave the classroom and rather fortuitously right before the pandemic started. And I've been a full-time author for a year and a half now. And how many books did you write? Uh, so number 28 just came out yesterday. I will have 30 by the end of the year. So in three and a half years, uh, almost four, there will be 30 books. That's so amazing. You are so talented. You oh, thank you. Well, don't you experience a writer's block? So far, so good. You know, knock on wood, I have not had writer's block. And I write in series rather than truly standalone books. And I think that helps tremendously because secondary characters end up becoming main characters and they get their own story. So I have a launching pad for them based upon, you know, their cameos or smaller roles in other books. So I think that just really helps. And I have a very vivid and active imagination. So, so far, I don't foresee myself running out of stories anytime soon. There's always something to be told. Wow. I'm so surprised because 30, almost like 30 books in three years and something, it's a lot. And wow, I have to start writing again. <laughs> you should. I find it very cathartic. It's a nice escapism both to read and to write. You know, I say that I live in a world of my own, you know, imagination, a world of make-believe. And it's it's nice. You know, I can escape for a full work day and just create these stories. And then when I come back to reality, I deal with the business side of things. I go back to being a wife and a mom. And it's for me, a really great balance between, um, you know, all the things that we are encountering and, and enduring right now, along with knowing that at the end of every one of my stories, there's a happily ever after. Yeah, that's amazing. And you said the word escapism. And yes. escapism is brought up a lot when discussing your books, which after the pandemic was probably extremely necessary. Yeah? Yeah. So, Celeste, how do you achieve getting your book to be an outlet for escapism? You know, I write fiction. I write a time period, you know, medieval 14th century, early 1300s. 
where it's far enough back, but obviously nobody has any living recollection of it. And we have plenty of information, but it doesn't necessarily speak much to people's personal lives. So there's a lot of room for me to create my own world based on true historical fact and true historical event and true historical people. But it gives me a lot of latitude to, you know, create these dynamic and deep characters in this world, this royal court that I've created for Robert the Bruce. And so I think that readers are able to dive into these stories and it's so removed from modern day that I think it actually helps readers be able to maybe see themselves as one of the characters, maybe see themselves as the heroine. I know for me that I tend to shy away from contemporary romance because in my mind, I think, well, that could never be me. I'm not going to find the billionaire, you know, that's not something that's plausible and it's rather anticlimactic and demoralizing, (laughs) but with historical, you know, they're all so far back that maybe I could have been the heroine. Maybe that would be my happily ever after. And I can have a gazillion different happily ever afters because, you know, I I'm able to write and read so many different books. And do you consider yourself a romantic? No. Um, I consider myself a pretty practical person and in all fairness, it may be, and God bless my husband, but we've been married 18 years. So maybe that's a little bit of why I don't consider myself that much of a romantic person anymore. Um, I probably was much more so when we were younger, when dating and first married, but you know, 18 years and a couple of kids later, (laughs) It's not that the romance is dead. I'm just not as romantic as I once was. So um, there aren't rose petals strewn all over my house. Yes. And you have a few degrees and used that knowledge to create your historical romances. Could you explain your process behind it? Yes. So as far as, you know, my formal education is concerned, I have an undergraduate degree in international affairs. So I really have studied pretty extensively history, economics, philosophy, um, politics of Europe. So I come with a pretty solid understanding of European history. I taught advanced placement European history, which is a high school class or secondary class in America that's taught at a university or college level. Um, I have a degree in teaching, and I think that that really helps me to write in a way that is understandable. I have spent 16 years taking complex concepts and breaking them down in a way that people can understand, comprehend, and use. And so in my storytelling, I think that when I incorporate those historical events, the way that I do it is a reflection of all my years of teaching. And then my degree in um, political management is very similar to public relations. So I use a lot of those skills on the business end as far as doing my marketing and creating strategic plans and um, looking at various scenarios and, and weighing options and making you know critical de- business decisions. So overall, you know, I'm not a teacher anymore. I'm not 
working in politics anymore, but I am using all of those different skill sets on a daily basis. So that love of history and that extensive knowledge of history is what I incorporate and use as a launching pad for my books. And your latest book is called A Friend at Highland Court. What is this book about? So A Friend at the Highland Court is book 13 out of what will be a 15 book series. And in this particular story, it's, um, it's rather near and dear to my heart. My husband was an active duty United States Marine when we met and then when we married. We have a lot of friends who are prior and current military. So the hero in this story, Alexander Armstrong, was permanently injured during a battle and between his physical injuries that are not going to heal, uh, we didn't have surgical modern medicine back in the 1300s, and the emotional scars that can't be seen. This is a character who definitely suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder from a combat-related experience. And I have numerous friends who um, contend with that challenge. So part of the story harkens back to that element of my life. The heroine, Caitlin Kennedy, her lineage is, her mother is French, her father is Scottish. Her mother is 50% French, 50% Arab, or as they would have called it, Saracen. And in a previous book, I explained that he was originally North African. So that is sort of a shout out, if you will, to the Moroccan side of me. And the book, um, you know, talks about some of the ethnocentrism that she experiences at the royal court, you know, even though she grew up in Scotland and she sounds Scottish, she speaks French and people know of this part of her heritage and it makes her stand out and not always in a particularly positive way for her. So these two characters are childhood friends, but Alexander's injuries really make him question his future and whether or not he should even get married. And there are some enemies that are lurking and some intrigue and suspense that goes on while this couple is trying to work their way towards their happily ever after. And, you know, Caitlin contending with some of the ostracism at court while trying to also be supportive to this man that she's loved since she was five years old, um, who is dealing with his own PTSD. So they do eventually have their happily ever after the villains in the story, get their just desserts. And, um, you know, I, each of the books in the series has some type of social message to it. And so this one was about, um, you know, combat veterans, PTSD, about ethnocentrism and xenophobia. Other books in the series have talked about anxiety and other types of mental health challenges, eating disorders, alcoholism, um, neglectful families. So all different types of things, but each one has some type of a topic that is relatable and valid today but I paint it in an a historically accurate setting. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. 
Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's good that your books uh, deal with important social issues. And that was my intention when I started this series. I wanted to challenge myself to do more than just tell a story. I wanted each of my stories to not only entertain, but have a purpose. And it's not necessarily that it's my soapbox or my platform to, you know, share my opinions on these different topics, but more to shine a light on them and to be aware of how valid and important these topics are today. And that unfortunately they're not particularly new. They are ones that, you know, history has repeated itself. So it's also an aim to be more inclusive as well, to have more varied character types that are representative of modern day society, but to also show that society was far more diverse in the Middle Ages than many of us have been taught. Um, we have more resources available now and more research available to substantiate that. And so within historical romance, there is definitely a movement to not only be more inclusive, but to show that yes, our characters are a product of our imagination, but these types of settings and these types of experiences are true to fact. They are part of real history. Even if it's not what we all learned, there is proof that it is true. I'm just wondering, how many hours do you write a day? I am a binge writer, meaning that when I write a book, I tend to sit down and write it very quickly. Um, you know, a book, a 400 page book, typically last year, because I was writing a book a month, that was the goal I set for myself would take me about two weeks to write. Um, that would be writing every single day for eight to 14 hours. And that includes, you know, a little time here and there falling down some rabbit holes, doing additional research. Right now, my schedule is a little bit um, easier. And so it will take me about three weeks or so if I'm going slowly. And that's with maybe four or five hours of writing time each day. Um, so, you know, I, I write in these bursts of a couple of weeks or a month, and then I have some time off while the book is at the editors and then some time right after it's gone to publication. So some people might write more slowly and spread it out over more days, but I realized a long time ago, back when I was in college, so 20 odd years ago, that 
when I tried to be a good planner, not procrastinate, do a little bit at a time, that it actually was not so effective for me because the voice that I would write in would change because I wasn't in the same thought process when I left a few days in between or a week in between. So I learned that for me, the way that I write, I do best when I sit down and I just sort of go at it, you know, head first and write the whole thing without that many pauses. You know, I stop for food and to sleep um, and to be a wife and a mom, but this is my full-time job. You know, I put in eight to 14 hours a day, depending upon what I'm doing. Um, you know, if it's not a writing day and it's a business day, then there's usually a solid eight hours worth of work because these days being an author, isn't just writing. I would say the writing is maybe like 30 to 40% and then business, even if you're traditionally published business is the other 60 to 70% of what you're doing. It's great to write a book, but it's even better when people read it and they have to know that it's there. Absolutely. And how do you find inspiration like to write for eight hours a day? I have a really great attention span and I attribute that to the fact that my children were very young when I got both of my graduate degrees. And so they would go to bed at eight o'clock and from eight to 11 or eight to midnight, I did homework every single night. And I knew there was a very fixed amount of time that I had in order to produce really high quality work and meet deadlines. And so those four hours, three or four hours each night were hyper-focused and all that I was concentrating on was my schoolwork. I wasn't thinking about the next day. I wasn't reflecting on the day that had already happened. I wasn't watching TV or any of those things. I was working. And so I think that that translates now, you know, the business day is a work day for me. And so I sit down in the morning, I reread what I wrote the day before, if it's, if I'm in the midst of a project and then I just start going and I, you know, work pretty much without stop. Um, you know, I'll give myself a little five, 10 minute break here and there, check my Facebook, uh, check my email, get up, have something to eat, but then it's right back to where I was and continuing to work, you know, until work, until the job is done. That's so incredible. And I'm pretty sure you are inspiring many people and also our listeners. Yay. Yeah. And in my opinion, you are very successful, not only because of your books, the books you are writing, but also as a person, I'm talking with you and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's incredible. So thank you. Yes, of course. And what does success mean to you? That is a question that I used to ask other authors when I first started. And I would get the, well, success is so subjective. It depends on what it is that you want. And in my head, I was thinking, no, I want to know dollar amounts. That's what I want to know. But, you know, I, I would say that I do count myself as successful. I was able to leave my full-time teaching job fairly quickly after a year and a half because I'd put in the, the work, the elbow grease to have a writing income that was comparable to my teaching. I set a goal last year that I wanted to really build 
my catalog of books so that there would be one thing after another for readers to find. I decided I wanted to publish 12 books in 12 months. And that's what I did. Um, you know, I think that I'm also successful from what my readers say, that they enjoy the stories, that they, you know, get connected to these characters and they feel real to them and that they get that escapism. And, you know, I went into teaching as a helping vocation and I wasn't sure whether I would find that sort of fulfillment when I left the classroom, but I realized that I'm still in a helping vocation. It may not be education, but I'm providing that escapism and people are learning genuine history from me. So I feel successful from that point of view as well, that I'm able to provide something for readers that they enjoy and they need, you know, that entertainment and that escapism, whether we're pre, post, or during pandemic, um, we all need that. Yes, definitely. And Celeste, tell us, how can we find you and your books? Now, the easiest place to go is to my website, which is just celestebarkley.com. You'll find a way to contact me. You'll find a way to subscribe to my bi-monthly newsletter to get, you know, insider tips and sales and announcements to be able to find my social media and to find descriptions and links to each of my books. I am on Amazon. I am a Kindle Unlimited author. So if you stop over at celestebarkley.com, you can find out all of those things. You can learn more about me. You can even listen to some samples of my audiobooks. So everything you need is right there. And worst case scenario, Google me. I do show up. That's wonderful. And please come back anytime. It was a pleasure to talk to you. So have me back anytime. I've enjoyed our chat. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.